entitled Plowing in Prayer. Plowing in Prayer. Many of you would know this passage tonight in Acts chapter number 12. And let me say this, even before we read the passage tonight, we find a passage, we find these folks praying because they have great needs, but these folks are praying uh, because that's what they always did. It wasn't just because they had a great need. Yes, we need to pray when there is a great need, but we also need to pray when we perceive that there isn't a great need because the truth is, even when we perceive there's not a great need, there is a great need and God knows it. We may not know it yet, but God surely knows it. And so let's look here tonight, Acts chapter number 12, plowing in prayer. If we're going to keep our hands to the plow, one of the areas that we must keep our hands to the plowing is the matter of prayer. Uh, we, we know how wonderful of a resource it is, and a resource isn't the right word. We know how powerful prayer is because of the God to whom we pray. He's all-powerful. But how often do we neglect it? How often do we neglect it? How much did we pray today? How much have we prayed this week? How much have we prayed over the past month? Because the truth is tonight, every single one of us could pray more. Because we need to pray. Acts chapter number 12, let's look at verse number 1 if we could tonight. The Bible says, now about that time, Herod the king, I I believe this is uh, Herod's grandson, but it says, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter therefore was kept in prison, but notice this little phrase, but prayer was made. And really notice the the entirety of this last portion of verse number 5. The Bible says, but prayer was made without ceasing. But prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Now, by the way, this isn't just an overnight prayer meeting. These folks had probably been praying for, I would venture to say, probably about a week. And the Bible says prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God. Well, there's a message just right there in the last part of verse number 5. Prayer was made without ceasing of the church Unto God for him. Speaking of Peter. Peter therefore, excuse me, verse uh, verse 6. And when Herod would have brought him forth, the same night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains. And the keepers before the door kept the prison. Behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison. And he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself and bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he saith unto him, Cast thy garment about thee and follow me. And he went out and followed him and wist not that it was true which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. When they were past the first and the second ward, they came into the iron gate that leadeth unto the city, which opened to them of his own accord. Wouldn't that be great? The door just opens up of its own accord. 
I've never had that happen. But that would be pretty neat. The Bible says, and they went out and Paul, excuse me, and passed on through the street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord hath sent his angel, and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod, and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a damsel came to hearken, named Rhoda. And when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. Can you just imagine? I mean, Peter's on the outside, he's knocking, Rhoda comes and he tells her who it is, and she's so excited. She's so excited, she runs back in to tell everybody, Peter's here. And the Bible says in verse number 15, And they said unto her, Thou art mad. You know, isn't that amazing? The faith that a little one has, and I, well, I don't know how young Rhoda was. Uh, the Bible says that um, she was a damsel. But children just have faith, don't they? They just believe. By the way, that's why it's easier for a child to be saved. And by the way, they are truly saved. Because they understand I have a need. And hey, this book that I have been taught tells me that there was an individual who came and he died on the cross of Calvary and he shed perfect blood, precious blood, And the Bible tells me if I'll place my faith in that work, in that blood, then I'll be saved. And children do that. And they said unto her, Thou art mad. But she constantly affirmed that it was even so. Then said they, It is his angel. And so tonight, let's look at this, plowing in prayer. Father, help us and teach us tonight. Really, Lord, just remind us. I would say the vast majority of folks in here tonight know this, know this story. Probably many have learned it from a child. But Father, I pray that you take it and use it tonight and remind us of the great power which lies in this matter of prayer. And there's great power in it because of the one to whom we pray. Because Father, we know that you have all power. And that's why we pray to you. That's why this church prayed without ceasing unto you for Peter. And Lord, may we do the same tonight. Father, whether we have needs or Father, whether we perceive everything is just going well and going great, Father, may we daily lift our voices in prayer, just asking for your help, praising you for who you are, praising you for what you do. Father, may we be constantly without ceasing. Father, may we be found in the attitude of prayer. Father, I pray for our children and our teenagers tonight. Father, I pray for our workers and our teachers and our leaders and helpers tonight. Father, may tonight be just another time, another opportunity where the Word of God is placed into their hearts, the hearts of our little ones, the hearts of our teenagers. And Father, I pray that you would, you would raise a generation of young people in this church. I pray that you'd raise them up a generation who would desire to serve you with everything that they have, with every moment that they have. 
with every part of their being, Father, may you give them a desire to serve you. Father, I pray that you'd use the young people that are in this church to do reasonable things for you in the days to come. Father, may our young people not be entrapped by the unreasonable things that are going to be offered to them from this world. Father, may they love you with their heart, soul, and mind. And Father, I pray the same for us in here tonight. Father, as adults, may we love you with everything that we are, every, every part of our being, the innermost parts of our reins. Father, may we serve you and love you. Father, may it begin with this heart, this desire to pray and have communion and worship with you on a daily basis. Father, again, remind us tonight, teach us. May we be better when we walk out these doors tonight. May you give us a, a stirring and a moving tonight, a fervor to spend time with you and spend time in prayer with you. Father, we commit these next few moments to you. We ask that you'd bless them and we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. I want to give you three words tonight. They all begin with the letter P. I want to start with the word persecution. The word persecution. What brought about their prayer? Now again, I believe this was a praying church, no matter what the situation. By the way, real quickly, turn back to Acts chapter number 1 with me, uh, if you would. Acts chapter number 1, and notice verse number 12. The Bible says, Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room, where abode Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon Zelotus and Judas the brother of James. And notice verse 14, These all continued with one accord. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and with His brethren. We know that there were upwards around 120 folks that were gathered in this upper, excuse me, upper room. And the Bible says that they, they continued in one accord with prayer and supplication. These folks were praying all the time. It wasn't just because there was a great need. But what we find in Acts chapter number 12, we find persecution. We find what many believe would be the fifth persecution of the church at Jerusalem. We've already read verses 1 through 5. We see the persecution. Several things here. First of all, the church was attacked. Verse number 1 and verse number 3. Now about that time Herod, the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. Verse number 3, and because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also then were the days of unleavened bread. The church was attacked. By the way, they weren't just attacked by Herod. They were attacked by their own people. Notice in verse, verse number 11. And when Peter, now, and I'm not talking about the people in the church, but I'm talking about other Jews. In verse number 11, the Bible says, And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord hath sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod. And notice this. And from all the expectation of the people of the Jews, the church was attacked. Secondly, Peter was apprehended. The church was attacked. Peter 
was apprehended. Verses 3 and 4. Peter had 16 soldiers guarding him, probably four at a time. Four quaternions, the Bible says. And he was to be detained until the day, excuse me, until the day of unleavened bread. Seven days following the Passover. And so first of all, the church was attacked. Peter was apprehended. Thirdly, James was assassinated. Look at verse number 2, if you would. And he killed, we know what happened to John the Baptist. And here we find out what happened to James. The Bible says he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. Persecution. Persecution. Now here's the thing. We, we might all say tonight, well look, if persecution comes, that, that's the first thing we're going to do. We're going to pray. It's not the first thing everybody does. You know, sometimes persecution causes people to quit. Sometimes persecution causes people to do other things other than to fall on their knees and lift up their voices to the Lord Jesus Christ. Many times it causes them to go inward. It causes self-pity. Again, it causes people to quit. And by the way, they were enduring persecution. We think sometimes in the 21st century American church we're persecuted. But we're not. We're not. At least not yet. I mean, someone may say something bad about us. Someone may slam a door in your face when you knock on their door and give them a track. But these people were being killed. These people were being put in prison. And the first thing that they did, the first activity that they did was to pray. And the Bible says in verse number 5 that they prayed without ceasing. The Bible says in verse 5, but prayer was made. They went right to prayer. By the way, maybe they had been praying all along to begin with. And now they had another prayer request to pray for. But the Bible says prayer was made without ceasing. Hey, our brother Peter, he's he's in prison. The apostle Peter, he's been put in prison. We know what has happened to James. James has already been killed. He's already been assassinated with the sword. We know the with the sword. We know the church is being attacked. We know Peter has been apprehended. What are we going to do? We're going to pray. We're going to pray. Let me ask you tonight, what do you do tonight when you feel like you have been persecuted? Now again, we we don't really know persecution, but 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 what do you do? Do we complain? Do we complain about the situation of the state of our, of our culture and our society? Do we throw up our hands and say, well, that's enough. I, I'm, I'm trying to serve the Lord and He's letting all of this come into my life. Or do we go to prayer? The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 1 that the church at Thessalonica was afflicted and persecuted. But the Bible says in chapter 1 that they received it with joy. Matter of fact, not only did they receive it with joy, but the Bible says that from them sounded forth the gospel. The Apostle Paul, he commends them. He said, look, I I don't even know if we need to do anything. Y'all are sounding forth the gospel. The, the, the people in Macedonia, the people in Achaia, they've heard the gospel because of y'all. And you're the ones being persecuted. What did they do? They went to prayer. So number one, the persecution. Number two, the prayer. Number one, the persecution. Number two, the prayer. 
And again, I say tonight, we're, we're, we're not persecuted just many times. We just we have too thin skin. We get our feelings hurt way too easily. And we're just like, oh, I'm done. I'm quitting. And God Almighty in heaven is just like, what? Do you remember what my son went through? Do you remember what my son did for you? And because someone said something that maybe they shouldn't have said, that may have been a little critical and a little cynical, you're going to quit over that? You're going to get mad about that? You're going to quit on God and you're going to quit on the church? Persecution. What was their response? Prayer. Number one, the persecution. Number two, the prayer. The Bible says prayer was made without ceasing of the church. Three things here. Number one, we see the diligence of the church's prayer. The diligence of the church's prayer without ceasing. Again, uh, they had been at this probably at least seven days. So we see, number one, we see the diligence of the church's prayer without ceasing. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, what does it say? Those, those, little, those little shotgun little verses there, what does it say? Pray without ceasing. Pastor, does that mean I pray when I'm driving? Yeah, just keep your eyes open. You can pray with your eyes open. Please do. I, I had a pastor when I was a teenager, and uh, he had served. He had um, served and ministered with Neighborhood Bible Time for a couple of summers when he was in college. And the the gentleman that was the director over Neighborhood Bible Time, they would go to they would go out to Colorado and they would train for a couple three weeks before they went out for the summer. And uh, he said this this director they would be on on the bus headed somewhere you know going to a campsite or something to train and and he said that that uh, he would be on that bus and the director he's driving the bus and he's praying, but he's praying with his eyes closed, driving the bus. And they're all sitting back there. They can see him in the little mirror there. They can see him. He's driving and he's praying and he's praying out loud because he's, he's praying for the guys. And, and they can see him. He's praying. They can hear him. He's praying. He's got his eyes closed. You don't have to do that. Let me encourage you not to. You can pray all the time. Isn't that a wonderful thing? What a shame that people think they have to go to a building and get in this little box to... to with a guy sitting next to them to be able to pray. We don't have to do that. Some, someone took a picture. I saw a post. It was just a couple of weeks ago. It was just real recently that a lady sitting in this little uh, box, whatever they call that, praying or confessing to the priest. And someone took a picture. The priest was asleep. God's never asleep. God's never asleep. We can go to Him any, any moment of the day, any time of the day, anywhere we're at. Now I'm thankful the Bible tells us we ought to have a specific place where we pray. The Bible speaks of a closet. We ought, to, we ought to have a special place where we can pray. But the truth is we can pray anywhere. We can pray when we're driving to work in the morning. We can pray when we're lying in bed at night and, and, and we're thinking about everything that the next day holds and we can't sleep and we can pray by the way, if you do that, let me, let, let me encourage you with something. Don't borrow trouble from tomorrow. That's what Matthew 6 tells us. Sufficient unto the day. Don't borrow trouble from tomorrow. If you're lying in bed, and I'm, I'm speaking to myself. Okay, don't, don't lie in bed and think about, I've got to do this, I've got to do this, I've got to do this, I've got to do this. 
and you can't go to sleep and you feel like, well, I need to get up and go do it right now. It's 1230 at night. No, no, no. Don't borrow trouble from tomorrow. We have enough trouble today. Pray. Be careful for nothing. But in everything with prayer and supplication, Philippians chapter number 4, verses 6 and 7, pray about everything, worry about nothing. Okay? They prayed. They were persecuted. What did they pray? And they were diligent in the prayer. Number one, the diligence of their prayer. Number two, the dependence. The diligence of the church's prayer. Number two, the dependence of the church's prayer. Look again in verse number 5. But prayer was made without ceasing of the church. What's the next word there? Unto. There was a direction. There was a dependence. You see, when we pray, we manifest, we demonstrate that we're dependent. Hey, you know what? I don't have all of this under control. By the way, the truth is, I don't have any of it under control. I am dependent on the Holy One, on the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I'm dependent upon Him. Now, the the church could have gotten a group of individuals together and maybe gone down to the prison and maybe broke Peter out of the prison. Maybe they could have done that. That's not what they did. The first thing they did was they prayed. Because God has more power than even the entirety of a church has. And God Almighty brought Peter out of that prison without without any physical help from the church. Now, they helped, didn't they? Because they prayed. Number one, the diligence. Number two, the dependence. But hey, let me give you a third one. Those are great. The diligence, they prayed without ceasing. The dependence, they prayed unto God. Number three, the doubt. The doubt. As mighty in prayer as this church was, they still doubted, didn't they? We, we read verse, um, verses 14 and 15. The Bible says, And when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. Now, Rhoda's not doubting. Rhoda's just glad. She doesn't open the door because she's just excited. Hey, Peter's at the door. Hey, God answered our prayer. And they, she goes in and she tells the individuals and they said, Rhoda, Rhoda, thou art mad. Rhoda, you're crazy. Rhoda, just an angel. Doubt. Aren't you thankful tonight that God still answers in spite of our doubts? The Bible says in verse 16, But Peter continued knocking. And when they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Number one, the persecution. Number two, the prayer. They were diligent. They showed their dependence. But they still had doubt. But God still answered. Because they were a praying church and they were praying unto God. They were showing their dependence. Even though that when the prayer was actually answered, there was a little doubt there. Rhoda, it's not Peter. Peter can't get out of prison. Rhoda, do you know how many soldiers Peter has guarding him? Rhoda, it's not Peter, it's an angel. 
But number three, number three, we see the power. Why do we pray? Charles Spurgeon used to always say, the goal of prayer is the ear of God. That's the goal of prayer is to get the ear of God. Why do we pray? Because we're helpless and He's powerful. Because we should be dependent on an almighty, omnipotent God. Because we're, not, we're neither almighty nor omnipotent. Number three, the power. God's power was poured out. The disciple was delivered. The church's faith was fortified. The assembly, the church was astonished. The vexer was vanquished. Who was the vexer? It was Herod. What did the Bible say in verse um, number one? He stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. Let's begin reading at verse number 17. The power. God's power was poured out. The disciple was delivered. The angel comes. He says, hey, Peter, Peter, put your clothes on. And he starts leading him out of the prison. Peter thinks he's having a vision. Peter probably thinks he's dreaming. Until he gets out and realizes, oh, this isn't a vision. This isn't a dream. This is real. God's power was poured out. The disciple was delivered. The church's faith was fortified. By the way, consider the impact that this prayer had on a damsel. Again, we don't know how old she was. On this damsel, Rhoda. Our kids ought to see prayers being answered. That's why we ought to involve our kids with our prayers. Now, I'm not saying we, tell, I'm not saying we give them all entry, you know, in, intimate details about everything. Okay, That's not what I'm saying tonight. And I'm not saying tonight, if you ever ask me to pray for something, I go tell my kids. Okay, That's not what I'm saying tonight. But things in your family, needs in your family, your kids ought to know about that. Well, that's just not the way we do things in our home. Why not? Why don't you let your children see that, hey, we have a need, but we have an all-powerful God that we're going to pray to and take this need to, and we're going to see Him answer. Boy, you want to talk about some faith being fortified? Lord, increase our faith. You know how our faith is increased? When He answers prayer. And we let our kids see that. I was reading last night, and we, we talked about this gentleman a few months ago, the man Barzillai, in the book of Samuel, the man who came to help David at his time of need when he's fleeing Jerusalem, when Absalom has rebelled. And he comes and he brings there at Mahanaim, he, bring he brings beds and basins, he brings food for David. Later on in 1 Kings chapter number 2, when David is getting ready to die and he's giving Solomon the charge. Solomon, be a man. Solomon, listen to the Word of God. You want to be a good king? Listen to God's Word. Keep God's law. But in verse number 7 of 1 Kings chapter number 2, he says, remember Barzillai's sons. And listen to this. Because they... 
You see, Barzillai didn't come by himself. When Barzillai came to Mahanaim to see David and to bring him beds and basins and food, he brought his whole family. He let his family be a part of it. And the Bible says in 1 Kings chapter number 2, Hey, Solomon, you treat his sons well because they came and helped me when your brother Absalom rebelled against me. Listen, our kids, we, we ought to bring our kids in on this stuff of ministry. We ought to bring our kids in on this stuff of God answering prayer and living the Christian life. We, we ought not com, excuse me, compartmentalize this stuff to Sunday and Wednesday night. They need to see it every day of the week. My daddy just doesn't pray when the pastor asks him to pray on Sunday morning or Sunday night or Wednesday night. My daddy prays at home. My, my daddy doesn't just open his Bible when, when Brother Snow asks us to open our Bibles on Sunday morning in Sunday school. My daddy just doesn't just open his Bible then. He opens it during the week. My mama, she doesn't just uh, pray and come to the altar on Sunday morning and Sunday night or Wednesday night. She prays at home. Our kids need to see that. And our kids need to see God answering prayer. Builds their faith. Church's faith was fortified. The assembly was astonished. And the vexer was vanquished. Look at verse number 17. Let's read the rest of the chapter. But he, beckoning unto them with a hand to hold their peace, declared unto them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, Go, show these things unto James and to the brethren. And he departed and went into another place. Now as soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers what was become of Peter. And when Herod had sought for him and found him not, he examined the keepers and commanded that they should be put to death. He went down from Judea to Caesarea and there abode. And Herod was highly displeased with them of Tyre and Sidon. But they came with one accord to him, and having made Blastus, the king's chamberlain, and their friend desired peace because their country was nourished by the king's country. And upon a set day Herod, arrayed in royal apparel, sat upon his throne and made an oration unto them. And the people gave a shout, saying. Now, pastor, do you think the church was praying for Herod to be killed? I don't know. Probably not. They were praying for Peter to be delivered. But God took care of Herod. The Bible says the people, verse 22, gave a shout, saying, It is the voice of a God speaking about Herod and not a man. You know what Herod did? He allowed himself to receive glory. And I'm going to tell you what tonight, nobody receives glory except God. Nobody. And Herod allowed himself to receive glory from all these people. They called him a God, little g God. And notice what happened. And immediately, and immediately the angel of the Lord smote him because he gave not God the glory and he was eaten of worms and gave up the ghost, but the word of God grew and multiplied. You know what happened? The church's faith was fortified. The word of God grew and multiplied. Why? Because of the persecution. And from the persecution they prayed. And when they prayed, they saw the power of God. And the church grew. Or excuse me, but the word of God grew and multiplied. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry and took with them John, whose surname was Mark. By the way, now, now who was praying or whose house were they praying at? Remember whose house they were praying at? 
Verse number 12. They were praying at Mary's house, and Mary was the mother of who? John Mark. And in verse number 25, now I know what happens with John Mark, okay? I understand that. John Mark comes back. He quits and comes back. Maybe he was homesick. I don't know. But who was one of the young men that went with Barnabas and Saul on their missionary journey? The first one was John Mark. Coincidence? I don't think so. Now, I know John Mark quit and he came back. Now, later Paul said he's profitable to me for the ministry, okay? So he got, he got things right. But huh, the very house where they're praying, the very house where they see the power of God in flesh when Peter comes and he knocks on the door and they see that God answered the prayer. And there's a young man. He says, you know what, I'll go on the missionary journey. I'll go with Barnabas and Paul. I've seen how God works. Now, I don't know why John Mark came back. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he was homesick. He said, I'll go. I know for whom I'm going. I know the power that he has. I'm going to tell you what, we need some homes where our children see that power. Where they see God answering prayer. Where they see that God is greater than a job. Listen, tonight I'm all for people working two and three and four jobs if that's what's necessary. But you know what? Maybe if we prayed a little bit more, God would say, hey, you only have to work two instead of four. I'll provide the rest. God wants us to work. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying tonight. But Sometimes we try to figure all this out on our own instead of saying, God, what do you want me to do here? God, you know my needs. You, 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 you know what I need. God help. God help. Number one, the persecution. Number two, the prayer. Diligent. Showing their dependence. Doubt, yes. Doubt. Rhoda, you're crazy. You're mad. It's just an angel. Isn't that, isn't that a neat name, Rhoda? We should have named Paige Rhoda. We should have named her Rhoda. That, when I was a kid, that was one of my favorite Bible stories because I just liked that name, Rhoda. Just, I don't know. It's just Rhoda. I never knew any girls named Rhoda, but I just, I like that name. Rhoda, you're mad. You're crazy. Oh, really? Let's go see Peter. Number three, the power. When we pray, God's power is activated. Because that's the only power we have. We don't have any power. It's all God's power. Now, He gives it, doesn't He? He, he supplies and he, he, he lets us tap into it, if I could use that phrase. But it's His power. Plowing in prayer. One of the ways we keep our hands to the plow is in prayer. How much are we praying? I'm constantly convicted about the fact that, you know, someone made this comment once and I'm constantly convicted about it. Does the devil, because you remember the book of Job, the devil went before the Lord to accuse Job. Someone made this statement. They said, does the devil 
go to God more against your children than you go to God for your children? I thought, whoa. Knife to the heart. Because I knew the answer at that moment. Yeah, he probably does. And we have immediate access we can go. And we should go. Because he has all power. Father, thank you for the night. Thank you for your word. Help us to be a people of prayer. Whatever the prayer requests are, whether it's spiritual, physical, emotional, financial, whatever the request is, Father, may we go to you first. Father, may we depend and may we demonstrate our faith in your power. May we demonstrate our faith in your promises. And Father, may you help us to be a people who keep our hands to the plow in this matter of prayer. If we're going to keep our hands to the plow in this matter of ministry and service, we must be people of prayer. And Father, I pray that you'd help us to be so. Father, give us safety as we go to our homes tonight. Father, all these requests that were mentioned tonight, Lord, may you hear as we get ready to pray. Father, may you answer, Lord, and help us to trust your perfect will because sometimes our requests are in a different direction than you want us to go. Father, show us your perfect will in all of these matters. And we'll thank you for it. Give us safety. Bring us back together on Sunday. And we'll surely thank you and praise you for it. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.